previously on Age of Legends Downfall. After the revelation that Muriel Sedai, now known as Lanfear, had caused the cataclysm that seems to have torn the fabric of reality, Ellen Red confronted her and a battle ensued. The might of a Forsaken proved too much for our heroes and they were defeated. The end, they're dead. Go home. Lanfear then commanded A to execute the two, but despite being under compulsion, A managed to stay her hand and refused to execute her sister. Lanfear lashed out before dragging A through a portal to a mysterious island. Red and L regained consciousness back at the Hall of Servants, where a meeting was called with the full might of the Hall of Servants and the Ace Sedai in attendance. During the meeting, Lanfear opened a portal in the center of the room, proudly renouncing her previous vows and swearing her loyalty to the great Lord of the Dark. She then asked who would follow her on her journey, and men and women rose and joined her. Amidst their defection, Red shouted, Traitor! Triggering a massive battle that literally shattered the Hall of Servants and saw Lanfear return to her mysterious island with her numbers bolstered. So, uh, what has recently happened is the two of you were blown across a room while the Hall of Servants was basically disintegrated. Uh, there are bodies lying everywhere, some from the traitors who stood in the middle of the room. Holy shit. Did you have a fucking plane land in your house? Seriously. Some uh, from the traitors who stood in the middle of the room and some from the loyal Aes Sedai who uh, started fighting as soon as someone yelled out, Traitors! We don't know who that was, and I think it's going to be lost to history forever. Um, your ears are sort of ringing, your vision is still blurred, you are definitely injured, and you're sort of looking around, taking in the damage uh, when the two of you connect eyes and realize what has just happened. And also, L, uh, it is sort of connected to you that S3, the door at the Scientific Research Center out in Majin, is definitely going to lead you to this island that seems to be Lanfear's home base. Red's going to um, very grumpily pick himself up. He's going to probably be incredibly sore, but he's going to dust himself off, try to retain a modicum of dignity from being blasted a second time by this person. Uh, he's going to collect his stuff, pick up his swords, and he's going to look at L. Look for L. Is L there? He sees her. She's, she's right next to you. And uh, sort of as you're dusting yourself off, you feel a hand um, tuck behind your arm as if they're sort of trying to give you some assistance while you're standing. And nope. you feel the power flow through you and you recognize the telltale sign of being healed. Um, uh, and you feel right as rain. Uh, L2 is going to stand up, uh, pick up her things. L2, that's um, my favorite spaceship in the Millennium Falcon. I was going to say, make sure you tap L2 and then hit X and then square and then diamond. Or no, uh, triangle. Do Damn it. it. I haven't played PlayStation There, there too are too many dad jokes already in this podcast. <laughs> I do a barrel need to roll. cut this out <laughs> immediately. All right, L stands to her feet. Okay. So as Red gets up, he's going to take a very deep breath and look at L. Uh, he's going to look at whomever healed him and very wide-eyed, like, thank you, get the fuck away. It is sort of this grizzled veteran of an ace to die, and you're not exactly remembering his name, but you do remember him from the time you spent in the Hall of Servants, and he just sort of nods to you in respect and then moves on. Okay. You can add him in sometime later as, like, a friend of yours in season two or some shit. Who knows? I'm like, damn it. <laughs> 
damn it. All right, he was he was cool. Okay. Grizzled veteran nods back, watches him go. He's just going through the rounds, healing everybody. He's sort of just picking people up off the ground. In yeah. fact, he passes by L, puts his hand on her shoulder, almost like a fatherly-like tap. And then L, you feel yourself healed to full as well. L doesn't even look around to see the damage that is around the Hall of Servants, but walks up to Red, just almost as if she doesn't even feel the healing, um, doesn't even thank the Aesidai who does it, um, and says, I have a way to get to A. Cool, let's get to A, but I'm not as concerned with her as I am concerned about kicking the shit out of Lanfear. So that's my buy-in. Shall we go? Let's get our things. We need to go back to Majin. Have you retrieved Eval's journal, or have you just yes. sort of left it smoldering on the ground? No, I, I've picked up that and my and my um, Angriel. I'll scratch those off my list of things to bite you in the ass with later. Then good <laughs> job on picking those up. <laughs> All right. So uh, as you both start making your way out of the hall, you hear people arguing as they're sort of investigating the threads of the pattern um, where Lanfear had made her portal. Um, and someone is just shouting, um, we have to follow her. Uh, and then she's being overruled by some older Ace Sedai, uh, a few gentlemen, and uh, a lady who just looks weathered like, like as far as you can get using the one power without your body crumbling. Um, and she says very matter-of-factly, if you follow her, you will walk right into her hands in her seat of power. And uh, this younger Ace Sedai says, that's exactly what she did to us. And this argument is sort of going back and forth as they're realizing that they might be able to trace where this portal led to, but you're basically just going to walk into a firing squad. Um, and you hear the tail ends of that argument happening as you leave the hall. So what do you do? Uh, I walk out of the Hall of Servants and I open a portal immediately to Imogen. Red sidles on through. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as you open this portal, you take one last look back um, and you're kind of surveying the damage of what Lanfear has just done. And you see lying on the floor um, without either leg or without an arm. Let me just rephrase that. Lying on the floor, sort of bisected in half, um, is Miriam. And she has the glaze of death to her eyes that you realize um, no ace that I can heal. And it's just sort of that last motivating factor as you step through this portal. And uh, you have opened it up just outside of the research center. In fact, it's uh, shockingly close to the glowing orb, uh, and you are directly in the middle of the street, and your presence has been noticed as soon as you step through. I don't care. I just walk towards the research institute. People are sort of looking at you, and even though you're healed, you still have sort of blood from the open wounds that you had before, and your clothes are still fairly tattered, and they are sort of just making way. They're giving you a wide berth as you make your way through this throng of people going to and from work, uh, some of them coming home, some of them going to night shift and things like that. And you can hear them just sort of whispering like, what is happening right now? Does this have to do with what happened at the Column Dawn earlier? And you are just, you have this look of death on your face as you walk past everyone. Oh, good. Because I was, I didn't want to have to just like cast, like move like people out of the <laughs> I way. I cast move, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to actually say that, yeah, if, if this need be, Red is going to definitely crowd control and he is going to, she's sort in front like a baton and just be like, nope, 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 do not cross. All right, so you guys make your way and uh, no one stops you <laughs> as you push through the throng of people. Uh, essentially, this sea of folks parts for you and you wind up at the footstep of uh, the research center here in Majin. Uh, you are at the doors what do you do? Kick it down. I'm just mm, kidding. Okay. <laughs> I open them calmly. Yeah, Red Red enters. 
Uh, no, I want to do that Aragorn thing, you know, where he like walks into Medusel, where he like takes both doors and just like pushes them open. He has a uh, ghost army behind him. <laughs> <laughs> the wind blows in behind you, and a flock of doves fly into the room. It's very <laughs> fucking John Woo. And uh, the receptionist is sitting there, and she says, "May I help?" Oh shit. And she sort of notices your state and like shakily, like her hands are sort of trembling and she hands you two visitors passes and she says, have a good time. Thank you. Did we get her name before? I'm pretty sure I put it in there, but I've completely forgotten what it was at this point. I think it was like Joanne or something. <laughs> I think it was Jolene, pretty sure. Okay. Uh, that's fine. I'm gonna just say thank you and take the passes and we will walk ahead. Oh my God, nerd. Look at your notes, double-sided even. Jesus. I had to ask her what the name of Miriam was earlier because I was like, it's in here, or Muriel. I was like, do you remember what it was? I have four names on my stupid list. And I didn't cross out any of them. And she, she guessed it too. I mean, I think Elle's face at this point is just completely unreadable. She's just, she hasn't spoken a single word to anyone since she's gotten into uh, Majin. All right. And I assume that you're going to head up to the third floor towards where this uh, traveling grounds essentially is located. Stairs yes. only. All right, as you ascend the stairs, you see uh, several students sort of shuffling from the first floor to the second and vice versa. Um, and they sort of sort of give you those wide eyes like, oh, shit, uh, and just sort of put their backs to the wall. They don't sidle. They just sort of pin themselves there until you pass by. Uh, and you ascend to the third floor. You come through the doors, and there is no one else in sight. What do you do? Uh, I go back to the room with the portals. So there is four rooms, essentially. There's two doors on the left, two doors on the right. One is Eval's quarters that says no girls allowed or whatever warning signs a guy like that would have. And then to the one to your right is S1. There's an S2. And then the one directly next to Eval's quarters is S3. And it has that lock uh, like Eval's room had where you have to channel the power into it. <laughs> that was such a dumb touch. All right. Well, I pull out the hat and I put it on to figure out what the pattern is to weave Perfect. here. Uh, so as you put your hat on, uh, you can see that there is a uh, difference of threads that you're supposed to weave into this than the one that was at Aval's room, but uh, still pretty basic stuff. In fact, now that you know it, uh, you likely will not have to use the hat to get into this room again. And as you channel it through, the doors open, and standing in front of you is a large ring uh, that seems to be a newly constructed terangrial um, that essentially has a platform on the ground, a large ring that comes out of one of the sides and goes over to the other side, um, and for book readers, you'll recognize this as a terangrial from the basement of the White Tower. However, it is a single ring rather than the three rings in an arc, uh, as we all know and love. And uh, it also has a panel in which you can channel the power into it, and it seems like that may just activate this ring. Can Would I channel like the power into it? <laughs> Absolutely. It, uh, it clicks on, and uh, through this portal, you can see the shore of what looks to be a picturesque island. Most importantly, you don't see anyone else around. This is where she is. Sure. You ready to do this? There's a glowing crystal on the side of the room. That's a save point. You might want to go ahead and save your game there just in case mm. you need to reload. <laughs> I'm going to use a tent and get up to full health. Um, Elle's going to turn to Red and she says, I'm here to save my sister. You don't have to come if you don't want to. I fully don't expect. I'm in. He understands what you're trying to do, and he walks through the portal. He's trying to do, like, a cool, like, uh, like, but if you wanted to, you know, I fully don't expect either of us to come back. We might die. Okay, then. <laughs> she just continues to talk to the space that, like, where Red was. <laughs> 
So as you both step through the portal, it looks the same on the other side. It appears that these devices are placed at one place that you want to go to. It's a teleport machine. It's not too complicated. As you step through, uh, the chevrons lock in place. Uh, and then the portal turns off and you have traveled through the Stargate. Congratulations. And uh, you're on the other side of the known universe. Faye, have you ever seen Stargate? No. Oh, my God. The movie not, not the I've show. seen, I've not seen any of the show. Yeah, I've never seen the show uh, once. Uh, there's like probably 45 seasons and 38 series. But uh, the movie, fucking cool. I watched the movie two nights ago. I fucking love awesome. that movie so much. I feel like Stargate was like a little before my time. No, it was early '90s for sure. Yeah, I would put it maybe '90, maybe '96. '96 sounds See. right, which isn't early. I think you're right though. Yeah, '94, '97. Yeah, it looks like was like the first. That's nope. skinny James movie. Spader too. Yeah. Oh, that's like baby James Spader. He's like fucking twelve in this movie. It's '94. So tiny. The movie's '94. Yeah, I was four at the time. Man. Hate you so fucking much sometimes. God, Kurt Russell is so cool in that movie too. That was like, that was that was really when I got to see like become aware of Kurt Russell because I was yeah. okay, so I was nine at that point. So like prior to that, Kurt Russell had a great like filmography, but I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> right. It was like the Fox I remember and the Kurt Hound. Russell from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I think it's called, <laughs> and uh, I fucking love that movie. Seeing him in that, I was like, oh. Dang. And then he was Wyatt Earp in Tombstone, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Tombstone, absolutely. My God. But it, I think that was the only thing I knew, knew him from was that. It was Tombstone and maybe um, Captain Ron <laughs> or Overboard. <laughs> God, that's such a good fucking movie. All right. All right. So you guys have stepped through this portal. It is winked out. And uh, in this moment, I need you both to roll perception checks. Mm-hmm. Three. It just got out of a portal, okay? She's just like looking around. You're jet lagged, my bad. <laughs> okay, so uh, as you step through this portal, you guys don't notice anything. Uh, this island seems to be quite large. It's not like some tiny island in the middle of nowhere. As you step through the portal, you step to the spot where the foliage sort of meets the sand. Behind you is an ocean that you cannot see on the other side of. In front of you are a bunch of trees that sort of slope up as the landscape rises and at the center of this island appears to be a jagged rock mountain uh, and you start navigating forward from there uh, tell me sort of what you want to do can I track at all and see if like we can see footsteps or evidence of like people I mean I'm assuming there's now like a bunch of Aesidae who have been tracking through this foliage this sand and there might be footsteps absolutely uh, roll survival I don't even add anything to survive. I got a 16, but six. So with a six, uh, you don't really notice anything. You get the general direction that uh, you should probably follow the path that leads into this uh, tropical forest. I will say that uh, you're just sort of like winging it. You know that you can't go the opposite direction because you'd be walking into the water. So that's what you've collected off of your survival is not to drown. Red, he's pissed as L is like, you know, trying to, you know, do her best ranger tracking checks. He's going to focus, focus his concentration. He's going to try to feel if there's any particular direction that there is a star of a channeler around. All right. So as you sort of do this, uh, this concentration where you're sort of just feeling out where you're supposed to be led, um, you sort of start walking forward. And there are a lot of paths that could lead you into this tropical forest, and a lot of them look like they're foot-worn. You're not able to tell because of the six whether or not those are feet of human beings or this is feet of the uh, local wildlife that might be 
uh, coming to the shore to hunt or to, for whatever reason, graze. Um, but L, what you notice for the first time in a long time is uh, while you're hanging out with Red, uh, your skin sort of tingles a little bit as you get cold chills, uh, and you're not exactly sure why. Red is walking very dutifully, very purposefully towards this uh, tropical jungle. So L like runs up, sidles up. <laughs> the sidling never stops. <laughs> Sidle. You got to see her like pop her head under your arm, you know, because she's shorter than you. She's like a golden retriever. And just kind of like a whole like hand on her cheeks. She's like, are you channeling? He does not respond to this at all. <laughs> Completely ignores you, but he is uh, he is walking through a path that seems to have been cut very cleanly through the tropical forest. So um, we won't waste too much time. I'm not going to go ahead and make you guys uh, trek through uh, hours of jungle. However, you do need to roll a stealth check. Check this out. Stealth with disadvantage. Still got a dirty 20. Nice. Damn. Rolled a this 19. This was meant to be. Yeah, 19 and an 18. So as you're sort of moving through the forest, um, uh, and these sort of trees are just everywhere, you're sort of weaving through. It's almost like you've really caught your uh, stride as you're walking through this forest. Time seems to sort of slip away. The sun starts to uh, crest on the horizon. The sun uh, gets to its zenith in the sky. Uh, and as you're moving through, all of a sudden you hear the telltale signs of activity uh, that seem to be coming from a canyon uh, within this mountain as you're sort of making your way out of the foliage and onto its peaks where there doesn't seem to be uh, anything really that's growing because of the harsh landscape you're walking into. Uh, and before you know it, you're sort of just making your way to a high ground where you are looking down at what appears to be a very rudimentary base camp that is filled with some of the Aes Sedai accepted and novices that you saw step through that portal previously. And uh, go ahead and roll a perception check really fast. Nine. Eight. <laughs> God damn you both. Burn it all on that stealth. All right, so uh, what you can tell just from those lower rolls is that no one has really noticed you. It's a pretty basic thing to tell is that no one's really looked back to see you. Um, you sort of take in the camp. You don't recognize any faces. Uh, you sort of see that there is a stone walkway leading up to what appears to be a cave uh, that appears to be roughly large enough for two people to walk side by side uh, through. And then there are several tents that appear to have been hastily constructed uh, very recently. And there aren't people standing guard, um, but you can't really tell what anyone's doing down uh, in the valley below. You are hidden. What do you do? I say we look around and try and see how many of them there are, what they have going on. All right, uh, so you have two paths that you can go. You can walk right in the front door. Uh, however, the tents are sort of at the back of the canyon, but you notice uh, that this high ground that you're on sort of clings to this pass and comes down behind the camp as well. I would like you to picture Blood Gulch uh, from Halo 1 and the mountain pass on the <laughs> right-hand side if you don't want to walk through the middle of the map. However, there's no active camo or anything waiting for you, so. Uh, you can just sort of walk around behind and get to the tents pretty easily, especially with the stealth check that you guys are still using. I think we go down the back route and we try to sneak in. And there's about six tents uh, that you were observing, uh, and you guys can just sort of go to them one by one with your stealth check and investigate. Um, in fact, uh, go ahead and roll me one more perception now that you're by the tents. 19. Six. Uh, Red, you notice what sounds like whimpering coming from one of the tents at the front. Uh, that might actually be slightly exposed to the people still standing around the canyon. Um, and you're not sure, but it just sort of sounds like someone's in distress. Does it sound stifled or is it just, uh, are they trying to keep themselves quiet or are they gagged? It sounds like it's someone that's trying to keep themselves quiet. Okay, cool. 
as discreetly as possible do quiet hand signals and point to the tent that we should go to that I'm hearing this from. All right. So as you approach the tent, the sound uh, becomes louder. Uh, you can definitely tell that this is a human being in distress at this point. Al, even you can hear it. Uh, and it is your choice how you want to enter the tent. You can try and go in through the front using your stealth check. Uh, or you can try and approach somehow by cutting it open from the back if you think that's a, uh, a better choice. But it is totally up to you because you don't know what awaits you inside the tent. I will uh, hold a hand up to L really quick and not touch her. I will whisper, does this person sound familiar? So you know the sound of your sister crying. Yes. You see L take out one of her daggers and she just <laughs> down the back side of the tent. You step inside and you realize it was a dragon the whole time and you see a beating heart in there. <laughs> As you sort of peel back these newly made tent flaps, you see what appears to be a cot uh, with your sister laying on it. Um, she is sort of like twisted into a weird pose that's almost like a mockery of the fetal position. Um, her eyes are sort of rolled back in her head um, and she has blood running down the sides of her eyes uh, as if she's been crying blood. Um, and she looks very worse for wear. She is alive and she is whimpering. Um, but she doesn't seem to have any sort of her faculties as if something terrible has happened to her in here. I think Elle just rushes forward. She's not thinking of anything else. She puts the dagger away, and I think she doesn't have any healing abilities, but she would like to try and essentially sense what powers are being cast over A. Uh, so when you do this, you sort of uh, embrace the source, and you notice that there doesn't seem to be any sort of threads tied to your sister. This seems to be like the result of actions that had already been performed. Is the tent empty? Is there anybody else in here? No, there's no one else in here. All right. L kind of shakes A to see if she'll kind of like open her eyes and like, you know, uh, wake up from all of this. She is sort of unresponsive. The more you shake her, the more she like kind of starts babbling softly and incoherently, just uh, 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 in between just sort of sobs. Um, I will say, if you want to use uh, your spellcasting modifier, you can delve uh, mm -hmm. and sort of see what's happening with her uh, with the one power. 24. Holy shit. Uh, so as you sort of delve, you, you go past and you see that she's not physically wounded in the traditional sense. Um, you can tell that there's been serious strain put on her body. You can almost see sort of the weave that you had laid on Corbin. Uh, when you had cast Compulsion yourself, uh, it's it's not just like compelling someone to do an action like you had done in the past. The terrain reel that you have sort of set hooks into this person, um, into who they are, almost like you're you're putting fish hooks into someone's brain to operate them like a puppet, for lack of a better term. Um, and when you did that to Corbin, you got the distinct feeling that this was something that you could release um, if you wanted to. Uh, that said, it looks like whatever had happened with her refusing to follow Lanfear's orders, one, should not have been able to happen. And it, it sort of gives you this overwhelming sense of emotion that your sister's love is kind of stronger than anything Lanfear could compel her to do. Uh, and the second thing that you notice is that Lanfear, clearly in her rage when she's not able to figure out why she was able to refuse her command, just sort of ripped this off of her rather than disconnecting it in a different way and has sort of shredded her mind in the process. So this is definitely something that you were uh, afraid of finding and you're not exactly sure what to do. Um, despite the fact that you don't have any healing magic, you do know the weaves that it takes 
and with your incredibly high roll and the fact that you have the Terangreal in your hands, you can you can try and see if this is something that you can undo, uh, sort of like healing, but also putting a puzzle together. Yeah, I will try and do that. I'm going to pull out the horse Terangreal. So as you channel through this Terangreal and you start to use this check that you had that was just enormously high um, and sort of change things around, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> like when you discover a new talent and you realize very quickly I'm very good at this. Uh, this. This sort of adept way that you're sort of piecing things together and just seeing if you can sort of repair your sister. Uh, and as you continue to do this, you're realizing that uh, just as quickly as you're putting things together, things are still falling apart. Um, and in this moment, and you start to feel like the sense of hopelessness set in, um, you start to cry. And uh, Red, you definitely notice that this is happening. So I think in this moment, I mean, other than just trying to heal her, um, she grasps her hand and she puts, you know, part of the horse strangle in one of A's hands and kind of like closes her hand around it. And so that they're both kind of grasping the strangle. So as you take this action of putting um, this strangle between your hands and you're sort of holding your sister's hands or the, the empty shell that was your sister, and you're repairing things with a deafness that you did not think you were capable of, and they seem to be falling apart just as quickly. Um, you just sort of continue to cry, and you're not giving up because that's just not in you. Uh, but as you continue to do this, and it doesn't seem like it's having any sort of effect... Um, Red comes up behind and places a hand on her shoulder and squeezes. <laughs> This isn't something like where you're trying to pull her away or tell her like, oh, she's gone. Um, this is literally you just sort of letting down your barriers and your sort of rejection of everything that you know about the power and the resentment you have from the things that you've gone through in your life and the general apathy that you feel towards a lot of situations that you feel and you know are beneath you because this is something that is important. Uh, it's as important as it is heartbreaking. And when you do that, it's sort of the same feeling that you had when you were trying to find this place in the first place and you feel a connection to Elle. And it's not just a connection based off of what she's going through or the empathy that you feel because you've lost people too. You feel a literal connection suddenly. Um, and it's almost as if you sort of surrendered control to Elle. And in this moment, Elle, um, you are sort of filled with a power like you haven't felt before. And the two of you are, in every shape of the word, a team in this moment. The sum of your parts is greater than the individual separately. As you start to put these pieces together, you're realizing that you're moving faster than they can fall apart. And slowly but surely, you're connecting these pieces back together. And uh, without even realizing it, your your sisters stopped sobbing. Uh, and slowly, these, these shakes that are going through her body as she's been convulsing since you entered the room are starting to settle. And she's sort of starting to lay back in just a normal position. And before you know it, there doesn't seem to be any more puzzle pieces to fit together. Uh, and you sort of take your hands from your sister and realize she's laying there peacefully uh, and breathing deeply. And you sort of delve again. And it certainly seems like, for all intents and purposes, uh, you have healed her. As she feels that perhaps she's healed A, she takes the Terangreal back. Um, and since A is still very much, I think, unconscious at this point, she just moves forward and 
with strength that you probably wouldn't like expect out of someone who's like five feet tall, um, essentially goes and just like picks up um, her sister and like tries to fireman carry her out of the tent. Um, uh, roll a strength yeah. check with advantage. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming he, she's not that big too. Oh, nat 20. Yeah, with with the passion of love and the thrill of success, uh, you pick her up with ease and you're able to make your way out of the tent. Ready to just watch this whole thing happen. He's actually moved. He admires Elle's dedication to a family member, you know, her sister. He understands that Elle's objective of taking care of A is now a part of his mission himself. He knows that that's their package deal at this point, so he's going to not resist aiding. He sees the ridiculous sight of L fireman's carrying uh, A out the out the newly made tent flaps, and uh, he's going to be like sheepdogging around them, like making sure that any sort of form of resistance is going to be dealt with by him, so L doesn't have to. L, as you're making your way out of this tent, you sort of sense in a weird way that you've never felt before um, the intentions of Red. Uh, and you know that he's sort of making a circuit around these tents to make sure your path is clear as you're sort of just making a beeline back to uh, this sort of land bridge that had led you to behind the tents again. Um, and you know he's okay, and you know that he's looking out for you in this moment. And despite the fact that you guys have released uh, the circle that you formed, there's still some sort of bond there, and you're not exactly sure how it formed, but uh, Red, that's something that you sense too. You know where she is, you feel her determination uh, through this unspoken bond that's quite literal in this sense. And uh, after making a few circuits and realizing that there's nothing between her and the mountain pass, uh, you're able to catch up as well. So you both sort of come together as you're making up your way towards this mountain pass, uh, and you just sort of know based off of the general attitude from the folks that are uh, in this canyon that no one's really paying attention to you. And, and you get about halfway up to the point where you can start descending to come down. Um, and L, you hear in your ear, stop, stop, just... Just put me down. Just just put me down for a minute. And uh, it is your sister's voice talking to you uh, from your shoulders. <laughs> As me like, shut up, you bitch. You can't walk. <laughs> That's actually probably what I would say if my sister actually told me to put her down. Um, she stops for a second. And I think in the sheer surprise of hearing her sister, she pro- almost, almost drops her. Um, one probably out of exhaustion of having to carry someone who probably weighs like and is like the same size as her um but also just in um surprise that she's hearing her sister's voice and the uh moment you're realizing suddenly that the adrenaline of the situation is sort of faded and it's taken everything out of you to move in the way that you did just sort of carrying her like she was nothing and you feel the weight suddenly um and you sort of are able to bring her to the ground um And as you're sitting her down, you notice that her eyes are starting to flutter open and she looks exhausted like she has run 10 marathons, but she doesn't look physically troubled. Um, And she she looks at you and you're realizing for the first time since this campaign started that you're actually looking at your sister. Uh, And she tells you, you shouldn't have come for me. That was so stupid of you. You risked yourself. You shouldn't have come for me. You're going to lecture me right now. And she grabs you and she pulls you super close to her and she goes, I am so proud of you. And Elle says, of course I was going to come back for you. I wasn't going to leave you here. And she says, we can't let her keep it. I don't think we're at a point where we can fight her. 
No, we're not. And we probably never will be. But we can take it from her. The campaign Age of Legends Downfall is played by Faye Kai, Garrett Schultz, and DM'd by Adam Diaz. For more information about us, Twats of Twats, or other awesome work we do that is unrelated to The Wheel of Time, head to the Wheel of Time Show about the Wheel of Time Show.com for bios and our social media handles. The sun is 400 times larger than the moon, but also 400 times as far away, making an amazing coincidence that both objects appear to be the same size in our sky.